This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. This episode is brought to you by Physician CEO. Finally, a business program for busy doctors just like you. Get the skills of branding, marketing, entrepreneurship, and combine those with your gifts as a physician. Be known as a doc outside the box and define your future. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. Welcome to Docs Outside the Box Podcast. This is your official show, looking inside the minds of cutting edge and innovative doctors. Think you'll find these stories in any medical textbook? Sorry. You're getting real live insight from men and women pushing the envelope beyond medicine. Ordinary doctors doing extraordinary things. Let's start now with your host, Dr. Nee Darko. Yo, everybody, what's good? Welcome to day four of the Docs Outside the Box Virtual Summit. I'm Dr. Nee, and I'm mad excited about this episode. So today, listen, I want you all to take some time, take out a mirror, or get prepared to get vulnerable. And I want you to start asking yourself some very difficult questions. And I'm going to give you some questions that I want you to ask yourself. Am I really doing the best I can do? Or am I following someone else's path, not my own? Or what's the difference between success and fulfillment? Trust me, there's a difference. And how can I get the most out of my career? How can I get the most out of my life? Do I need a change? Or do I need someone to help me with this? Now, if you take the time to look deep within yourself with these questions, I'm telling you, these answers might surprise you. They might shock you. They definitely gonna make you uncomfortable, okay? And whatever it is, once you answer these questions and you go through that shock, that surprise, the uncomfort, I think you're going to look at yourself a little bit differently. And I talk a little bit about this. If you go to my About Me page on drneedarko.com, in there, you will see me talking about the difference of jumping through all the hurdles, getting the credentials, being successful, but really feeling a little bit empty because I don't really have fulfillment. I don't have the impact that I've always wanted to have. So I've had to answer these questions on my own. So on this episode, I'm going to bring an expert onto this show on this matter. I am bringing a very talented speaker, writer, as well as physician, and his name is Dr. Brad Ballard. He is an emergency medicine physician. He's also board certified in emergency medicine as well as sports medicine. And he's going to come and speak to us about finding our purpose. How do we get clear about things and also being resilient? This brother's a bad boy. He has served as a team physician for multiple professional teams, including the NBA Dallas Mavericks. I think y'all have heard of them. And he's also a regular on ESPN Radio, an affiliate down in Dallas. Now, I've known Dr. Brad since the late 2000s. He was doing his EM residency at Grady Memorial Hospital. I was doing my general surgery hospital at the same hospital. Anybody who is familiar with Grady knows what I'm talking about. But if you're not, Grady Memorial Hospital is a special place. It's an 1,100-bed hospital, downtown Atlanta, treats a very large indigent population and provides care to people who would not in other situations get this type of care. Large trauma center, very busy, and we spent countless of days and nights working with each other. 
But we lost contact afterwards. And recently, I've been able to reconnect with him. Found out that he wrote a book called Elite, which is a modern success guide to purpose and peak performance. And this book is like that. I immediately connected with his personal story of resilience, his personal story from taking things from being ordinary to being extraordinary. And based off of all of the techniques that he has listed in this book, I've been able to level up. I think you all need to pick up this book. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to be giving a giveaway of this book but only if you're signed up with the summit. So make sure you go to dotbsummit.com. So let's get prepared to get uncomfortable. That's the only way we're going to change. That's the only way we're going to improve. And without further ado, I present Dr. Brad Ballard. Let's get it. What's good, everyone? This is Dr. Nee. Very excited about my next guest. Got a special guest in the building. I got Dr. Brad Ballard, who is the best-selling author of the book called Elite. A Modern Success Guide to Purpose and Peak Performance. Dr. Brad, welcome to Docs Outside the Box, man. Dr. Nee, man, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to actually be on this show. And I think you know me well enough to know that, man, I'm here to just be a blessing for you and the folks who are listening. So I'm ready to get this started. Yeah, I'm right. ready to get this started. We've been trying to connect for a while, actually. And during this time, while we've been trying to connect, you've released this book called Elite, which is, I think, amazing basically a self-help guide to get you to the next level with whatever you think you want to do and take it to the next level and, and actually peak performance on that. That's right. For me, I've been doing a lot of readings of books. The biggest issue I have a lot of times is I feel like these books are really in the 30,000 foot view version. You know, they're very abstract, you know, seeing the forest for the trees, which is great. But oftentimes, how do I take step one? How do I take step two? all those different things. And I felt like your book really focuses on those individual steps. And I felt like it was just kind of talking to me. So that's why I really, really appreciated your book, man. And I think I'm a big fan of your book. Thanks. I appreciate it. You know, anytime someone buys my book or even mentions my book, it's an honor. But we were talking about this, you know, before we got started, the fact that you read my book, you know, it's an honor. I wrote that book specifically so that it would have philosophies in there and, you know, theory, but be more practical. I think you're a practical individual. I'm a practical individual. So even though there's, we're talking about mindset, you know, stuff and self-help stuff, the real question is how do you apply this stuff? Mm -hmm. You know, and for anyone who has any background or knowledge of personal growth and development, it's all good to listen to and to get motivated. But how do you actually apply it so you can start to experience change, which Absolutely. is my whole point. The, my whole point is change and transformation for individuals who read this book. Otherwise, it's pointless for me to even put the words on paper, right? The goal is change and transformation for people. So I'm glad to hear that you read it and that it's working for you, obviously, because I'm not saying that your success has anything to do with my book, but the principles that you're doing, that's what I was about to say. You're, you're applying already, but before you read the book, if anything, it just confirms that what you're doing is the right thing. No, you're absolutely right. Because I felt though from your introduction, your prologue or whatever your epilogue, I forget what it is, whatever comes first, right? Your preface, <laughs> right? Your life story really kind of mimics my situation, which is you are very successful. You're a double boarded emergency medicine physician in emergency medicine, as well as sports medicine. You have all of these accolades. You're on ESPN, man. You're on ESPN radio. <laughs> you worked with the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, highly, highly successful. But there was a moment of not feeling fulfilled that 
is very similar to my story. As a matter of fact, if the people go to drnedarko.com, if you go to the About Me page, I talk about that same thing, being successful. And there's a big difference between that and being fulfilled. You know, So before we get so much into the nitty gritty, though, let's learn a little bit about you. Tell us about yourself. And then we're going to tell the audience a little bit about how we know each other from the past. man. That's right, because this is definitely not the first time you and I have interacted. So originally from Houston, Texas, you know, grew up in what I would probably describe as a lower middle class family. No one was a doctor. No one was a lawyer. You know, quite honestly, I was a basketball player, loved basketball. I know you love basketball. I had hoop dreams like many of us out there to be able to play in the league. And I was injured and tore my meniscus. I, I had an injury my senior year in high school and just didn't continue. And quite honestly, at the time, just didn't have that passion for the game. But went to college. My brother was actually emergency medicine nurse at the time. I needed a job. So I asked him, can you give me a job at the hospital? Started working as a tech in the ER and had the blessing of having a couple of physicians there begin to mentor me. And so mentorship is huge in my life because it started at an early age, one with my brother, and then two with some of these mentors I had as physicians who really, man, my life is just a story of people who believed in me more than I believed in myself. And then eventually I borrowed that belief enough to start making some things happen. And so Long story short, went to medical school, became double boarded as an emergency medicine and sports medicine physician. So everything I do in my sports medicine clinic is non-operative. But my first job coming out of fellowship training, I was one of the assistant team physicians for the Dallas Mavericks. What year was this? This was right after the championship year. (laughs) Right. That's what I wanted to know. Right after. So when Jason Terry was rocking the championship thing on his uh, that tattoo that he had. That's right. Right when they took down LeBron. And the Heatles? Yes. <laughs> I came right after that. I remember watching those finals before I was flying in to sign the contract and everything like that. And so I was in the locker room right after, in the season, right after they won that championship. So it was really cool. I got a chance to hold the trophy, take pictures with the trophy. Didn't get a ring because I was just a year after the championship, but that was an awesome time. And it was, you know, definitely through the grace of God, because at the time I was thinking, why would they hire somebody, you know, right out of fellowship to be a part of an amazing organization like this, but got a phenomenal opportunity. The Mavericks are known throughout the league for being very player centric, player friendly, almost as much as like the Golden State Warriors. Like they spent a lot of money on their facilities, right? And their players. So that's That's just a big deal that you got invited to join us. Oh man, it was huge. And again, like I said, My story was one in which people believed in me more than I did myself. My partner and the lead team physician for the Dallas Mavericks, who had been their lead team physician for, you know, more than 15 years, saw something in me and said, let's go to work and really took me under his arm as a sports medicine physician and the orthopedic surgeon, Dr. T.O. Sorial, who I work closely with. He's been a big part of my career. So, you know, did that and was double boarded, like I mentioned, emergency medicine, sports medicine. But I found myself very similar to what you just described, having achieved at a very high level, very successful clinic, very successful, started to be on ESPN radio. We have an ESPN radio show every single Saturday here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area called Inside Sports Medicine. So I was a radio personality. Everything on the outside looking in looked fantastic. Dr. Brad had it going on. I had a wife, two kids at the time, right? And I had a small business that I was also running outside of my home. And I found myself significantly unfulfilled. And I couldn't figure it out, Dr. Nee. I had spent all of this time, all of this money and energy 
toward a logical decision that I had made to serve people and to have a certain life and lifestyle. And I'm here and I'm asking myself, is this it? You know, is this it? Is this what life has to offer? So at that moment, did you feel like, you know, obviously it's not just that moment, but these moments of feeling if this is it, like, is it you wanted more? Were you unsatisfied? What was the deal? Well, and I was trying to figure that out. Was it that I hadn't achieved enough? Was it that there was something else because I got to the top of this mountain, I needed to do another mountain? But I started figuring out that I didn't think that it was because I needed to achieve more because I think my first attempt at trying to do that was starting my small home-based business and started having success in that and was still doing well in that, but was still trying to figure out like, why am I feeling like, you know, why am I asking myself, is this it? But feeling like there is something else out here for me. I just felt like there was something else out there for me. So that started a journey really of me discovering what I call my purpose. Some people may call their calling, but it's really that thing that I needed to do that was really inside of me the entire time that needed to come out and had to be a way to serve other people by applying the gifts and the talents that I had in a unique way with what I'm doing now. And I'm sure we'll get to that here in a little bit. You know, I've gone through a very similar transformation, right? right. How do you jive that with when, you know, for me at an early age, I knew I wanted to be a doctor, right? If you ask me this question, Nee, what's your gifts? What's your talents? What's your purpose? That's to be a physician, right? Wow. Yeah. And then you get to that point and you're like, yeah, I like it, but this ain't it. You know, like, how do you jive those two things together? And then you're like, well, the direction that I'm moving in now, like, this is supposed to be it? Because it's got to be a lot of faith in there, right? Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. You know, it's a tough question to ask. Is this it? You know, what do I want? These were questions I was asking. What do I want? Is this it? I feel like there's something else. And here is the issue when it comes to physicians and professionals at a high level. If we get to this place of dissatisfaction, where we've achieved at a high level, but still wondering, is this it? And, you know, we all wear the mask at that point, right? You know, someone asks us, how are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. But underlying, you're hurt. You're trying to figure it out. And so once I came to the conclusion that there was going to have to be something else and that medicine may or may not be a part of that future, that was the hardest part. Because again, my pride is telling me I did all of this money. You understand? Yeah. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm not laughing at listeners. you. I just, I oh, get no, you. I get yeah. it. Uh-huh. And although there's probably listeners who are thinking the same thing. Like, I spent all of this money, time, energy. My wife went through all this. I took my family through all this. And I'm sitting here wondering, is this it? And it's our own pride that's stopping us because we feel like if I put in so much time, well, then I'm obligated to see it through. And then I'm just supposed to be a doctor or I'm supposed to be this kind of doctor. Right. So once I was done wrestling with that and then it was just like, okay, well, what I'm doing right now isn't completely it. It may be part of what I'm supposed to be doing as my purpose. Then it was the journey of discovering it. And that took me a couple of years. That's when I started writing down my gifts. I started reaching out to other people. I started literally just like grabbing coffee with people who I admired and kind of did something similar to maybe what I wanted to do to get clarity on what I really did want, you know, what I really wanted to pursue. Now, in that, it's interesting, Dr. Nee, is that as I started on this quest, I also started realizing 
that the more gratitude I had for where I was, that that was also something I was missing. So it was interesting because the more I kind of went on this journey to discover what I was supposed to do, I started realizing that a lot of what I was missing was right here in front of me. I just didn't see it. What do you mean? So, by that? You mean like family? So, I mean, yes, I, I wasn't, you know, grateful for being where I was, but like there's a different level of gratitude, you know, with being able to see where I'm at with my family, where I'm at. So really, I started having this gratitude practice and it's part of my you know, morning routine, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But you know, really seeing just how blessed I was really started helping me realize, like, look at how good I have it. But there's a difference between being satisfied and still not wanting to go after more. What I mean is, like, I wanted to go after more, but I became content with what I had, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Like, I was very content, but I wasn't satisfied. So I became at this place where I really appreciated where I was, but I knew that there was more to go after. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you appreciate where you are. That's your foundation. Look what all I got. Now look where I can go to the next level based off of this foundation, this dais that I'm literally standing on right now. Yes. And so I needed that peace in order to create because I was not at peace. I couldn't create anything because I wasn't at peace. I was struggling. I was wrestling. And so once I realized where I was, that gave me a lot of peace to be able to move forward. I didn't feel like I was chasing after something so much. I felt kind of like, you know what? I'm already pretty good. I'm already pretty good. Anything more that I do is going to be icing on the cake, but there is a purpose that I'm supposed to be fulfilling out there. You said that this took a couple of years to get to that point, right? You go back and you look at these last two years or those two years, or even maybe even more to kind of do this transformation from, you know, Dr. Brad Ballard to Dr. Brad, you know, who you are right now. When did you decide that, listen, like, I want to go back and I want to like actually help other people with this. Like, talk to me about that process. Because, I mean, there's imposter syndrome that gets in the way there. There's, you know, like, you just maybe need more experience before you go back and teach other people. Take us through that moment where you realize that you've garnered enough information that it's time to like help others through this process. So my brother was an integral part of my motivation and success when I was younger. So I've always been a driven individual. And I owe a lot of that to my brother who just spoke life into me when I was younger. He was an entrepreneur. He was 12 years older than me. So, you know, he'd seen more than I'd seen and he'd been at places and he had tried things before and he would speak life into me in terms of you can do it. You know, where we are right now is not where we're going to be. He would speak vision into me. And so that was really key for me. So I'd always been this motivated individual. But as I was going through this journey, I was trying to figure out, like, the question I was asking is, what would be the most ideal way for me to serve other people? Because I came to this conclusion that in order for me to be fulfilled, it's going to require me to serve others. I personally believe that someone who's looking for that fulfillment, like I was looking for, like you were looking for, we're really just trying to find that way to serve that makes us feel really good. But the service has to happen first. So I was wondering, how do I serve? And I started looking back at my past and what has been some of the most significant ways that I had been served and started thinking about what could I help people with, with the knowledge that I currently have in this motivation space, in this personal growth and development space, since that was something I was already passionate about. And I started thinking about where I was. I was at a place where I was at my worst. I mean, Dr. Nee, I'll be 100% honest with you and vulnerable. You know, it got to a place before I started going on this journey where I broke down on my knees in my house with no one there asking God, there's got to be something else. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people can relate to that. (laughs) I think there's a lot of doctors listening right now who can relate to that. So here's what I said. 
I went on a two-year journey to figure it out. And so now my whole goal is to take people who are at that place, to take professionals who want more out of life. And the reason I say driven professionals is because it's unique to this professional community because we put so much time, money, and energy into what we're doing, the doctors, the lawyers, the nurses, the teachers of the world. And we identify ourselves with this so much that it's such a blow to our ego and pride when we feel like, is this it, that we can't own up to that. We can't accept that. So I said, you know what? I want to take those individuals where I was and show them two things. Help them discover their purpose much sooner than I ever did to serve as a guide for them. And then how to perform at a high level so that they can go after that purpose in the appropriate way. And that was really how it came to be. I'm really interested in this because you get really vulnerable in your book, which is, I always think that that's the best way to develop credibility with people is to kind of take people through your journey, let them know that you've made very similar mistakes to your audience, to your listeners, and then kind of take them through this journey, right? Right. Um, Almost, you know, being the hero of your story, basically. But the thing that I find really interesting is, is, you know, you're helping professionals, physicians who are type A personalities, you know, really reach peak performance. But the interesting thing is, is, You start off by saying, we are not 100% in control of our lives in your book, which is like the antithesis of what doctors think, right? So tell me about that. Like, how did you even come up with that? Why do you believe that to be true? And, you know, what's been the feedback from that? Yeah, so I got to a point in my career where I was trying to achieve more. I got to a point in my clinical practice and in my home-based business where I was almost forcing the issue. I was working so hard, but I didn't see anything in return. And so much so that I came to the conclusion, listen, I'm doing the work. (laughs) Why is it not happening? And right around this time also became very deep and rooted in my faith. And so started really having deeper conversations in my relationship with God. And a lot of what I teach and you'll see in my book is faith-based. But, you know, I came to the conclusion with the help of some friends and coaches that there's just going to be some things you cannot control. And I did not want to face that because I think we all want to believe that if we work harder, we'll get the results. Or if we do what we're supposed to do, that equals results. But I started seeing for one of the first times in my life that I was doing the part, but the results weren't there. And so I talk about this core formula in the book, which is your results equals your actions plus God's input or God's influence. And so with that, if you look at any results in your life, whether past, current, or future, it is going to be as a result of what you do, but also something you cannot control, which is what God's input is into the situation. Once I came to that conclusion, once I accepted that, Dr. Nee, it was a huge weight off of my back. And so it did several things for me. One, it allowed me to say, well, you know what? If there are things I can't control, let me just focus on what I can control. Let me just focus on that. It also let me know that if things don't happen the way that I intended for them to be, that's okay. That is completely okay because there might be something at work here. And so once I recognized that, I said, well, what can I control? I can control my actions and I can control my decisions. And so I really started doing a lot of reading and research on what causes us to make the decisions and do the things that we do in life? And how can I maximize that to my potential so that whatever result I'm looking for, I can do everything that I can do in my power to try and help it, but also realize in the back of my brain, 
There's also going to be an element of this that I cannot control. Right. You know, I'm really interested in, in the concept of peak performance, mainly from two points. One is, what the heck is peak performance? The second thing is, as someone like me who's run track, someone, you know, like you who's, who's been in sports, you know that you can only sustain peak performance for a short period of time, right? Like your body is at its thinnest, your body may be at a certain weight, or you can run a certain speed or a certain time for a certain period of time before that breaks down. Like, can you really sustain peak performance, you know, I guess in perpetuity based off of what you're saying? So let me start off by defining elite, because when people see the title, they probably wonder like, okay, elite, like what is this book about? The reason I use the word elite is because I feel like it is rare. It is rare for individuals to be able to combine success, which I had the blessing of experiencing in my career and in business, but also combining the fulfillment because I was not fulfilled. It is rare for somebody to actually experience true, genuine happiness and fulfillment and success at the same time. And it takes work. It is practice. It is not by chance that someone can experience both. It is extremely intentional. And so I believe that our results are intentional. You have to be going after it. So that is what I mean when I say elite. Now, when you talk about performance, I feel like performance is nothing but is a tangible measurement of how strong someone's mind is. Because the only thing that's stopping us really is our mind, Dr. Nee. The thing that may stop us is our belief that it is time to stop now or that I cannot go anymore. That's a good point. Okay. Right. So if you say, well, I can only go so much, you're right. If the other person says, I can go four miles more, I can do more, be more, they're right. And so to me, performance is directly connected and associated with your level of belief and how strong your mental mindset is. That is the only thing that's stopping us. Now, having said that, it takes practice. Just like it takes practice to do anything to get better at it, you can get better at your mindset by practicing it more. But Unfortunately, a lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of people won't stick it out long enough to continue the mindset practices because they're not going to see the direct result immediately afterwards. We live in a microwave society. <laughs> okay. That being said, Dr. Brad, take us through an example. What do you mean by that? Like, give us like an anecdote because you put a lot of anecdotes to the story and I think it makes it a lot easier to understand. So take us through that practicing. What do you mean? Well, the problem is this, you know, a lot of people will, they'll want change. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't want change or who doesn't want some sort of progress or increase or improve something in their life, but they want to know what to do. What do I got to do? Just tell me, do I got to go to the gym three times a week? Just tell me what I got to eat and then I'll do it. But the problem is they're not getting at the root of the problem because people have access to information, Dr. Nee. It's not an information issue. It's not a how-to issue. You can find out how-to. The problem is they don't have the mental capacity to stick with it. And so we are only going to be and live and perform at the level that we believe we are. So if you go on this quest to lose 50 pounds and you don't believe that you can, or you can't see yourself having lost 50 pounds, the mind is like a thermometer. You may lose 25 pounds, but if the thermometer is set at where you are now, you'll gain it right back. So it's really about setting the mental thermometer or what I like to call the mental cruise control. That has to be set first. You have to set the mind. It's got to be changed. Your level of homeostasis has got to change. It's got to change. We are where we are because it's what we believe. We, all the results that you currently have. And for some of us, 
I'll be the first to tell you, slap in the face whenever I looked at it and I started doing this research. We are where we are because it's where we believe. You know, all of our beliefs is where we are now. So in order to change it, you got to believe different. And that takes practice. But for people who are trying to achieve goals, listen, the people who are trying to achieve goals, it is not the how-tos. The how-tos will come, but it is not until you believe fully that almost it's done before you get started. It's just a matter of time. You will bang your head against the wall enough to where you'll either quit because you're tired of failing so much and trying to do it, or you'll finally listen to someone like myself or some of these other books out here that really teach you it is really about the mind and getting the mind right before you get started. Hey docs, there's a saying, if you don't have a seat at the table, then you're probably on the menu. Now's the time to define your future by being a part of the Physician CEO program. Physician CEO is a business immersion program developed by MBA faculty from the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University. You're getting an intensive MBA style education made up of modules that cover topics like leadership, entrepreneurial ventures, and everybody's favorite, branding. And guess what? This program is designed for busy physicians like yourself who don't have time for an MBA, but still want to be a better version of yourself. Trust me, the program gets you in focus from day one. So get those skills needed to lead a hospital or start a new venture. You're always going to ensure that there's an open seat waiting for you at the table. Don't miss this opportunity because class is filling up. Learn more at physician-ceo.com forward slash D-O-T-B. So you say in your book that your belief is the greatest source of power, right? So I definitely agree with you there. You know, I think the funniest thing, and sometimes like you say, a slap in the face, I'm sure you see this. And I'm sure doctors see this a lot, particularly nowadays with social media, is the ability of other people to be really successful who aren't physicians, who aren't like, you know, those right. who got them degrees and all that stuff. But you right. see people who don't have degrees, extremely successful, right? right. Like, how is it that they're able to do those things? But people like us, you know, we feel like almost like we're held back by, because we know so much, we know about all these risks and all these different things. It kind of holds us back, man. Like, right. talk to us about that, man. Let's get down on that one, man. You know, some of the high level professionals, doctors, lawyers, we've been programmed to think a certain way. And we get stuck in this programming of thinking like a doctor, thinking like a lawyer that you know, we just get stuck in that program thinking. It started in medical school. I'm sure it started in law school. And so there's just a way of thinking. You know, for us, we are very risk averse because to take risk in medicine, that doesn't make sense. We're talking about people's lives and people's right. health, but we don't really take risk. So that risk, you know, you're telling someone, well, you should go after this thing that you really want to do. And the first thing they're thinking is all the reasons of why. It won't work. It may not work. Or what is going to be the adverse situation if I go after this, which is what we think. First, listen, first do no harm. That's part of the Hippocratic Oath. So if you say first do no harm, that means the first thing I got to think about is harm. Right. So you'll think about that for yourself as you start to try and embark on something new or, you know, different results you're trying to have. And you know what's interesting, Dr. Nee? Here's what's funny. You would think that because we've gone to medical school, think about it. We've gone to undergrad, 
most of us had to be at the top of our class in undergrad to get to medical school. I know where you're going with this. We went into medical school. So let's break this down. That's success number one is finishing college. A lot of entrepreneurs never finished college. That should be a success embedded in the back of our brain that we can just rehash to give us belief. Second thing, we went to medical school. You got accepted. (laughs) Second success. How many people don't even get accepted? Third success, you graduated. Fourth success, you successfully went through the The, fraternity fraternity, sorority of residency. Exactly. The, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the hazing, you successfully did Which is where we met, right? You were doing ER, I was doing general surgery. Oh man, yes, we got to talk about that. Remember the Grady days? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm going to jump back on that here in a minute because I got to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, all of these successes that we've accumulated over time, And we can't seem to translate that into something else that we want to do when really, as physicians, if you're listening to this and you're a physician, I'm going to tell you whatever it is that you want to go after, you can do. That's really why I'm here, is to let you know that. Because look at the history of success that you have done in your life. We're talking about the elite of the elite of the elite. I'm using the word elite, but here I'm using it just primarily to describe success. You have done what is extremely rare, what people talk about. People hold us in high regard simply because they know the difficulty with which it took for us to get to where we go. And we don't want to start an LLC. (laughs) Let me get a coach to help me start an LLC. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's a really good point. It's funny. Like, I have not heard anybody describe it like that, actually. But that's a really good point. You know what that means? You got to think about it this way. How much of medicine did you know when you started medical school? I knew nothing. Zilch. Zilch. What I saw for TV, that's it. That's it. And they took us from not knowing much and through the power of progress and consistency and people and really mindset. Now, the mindset to me was just one in which it was strictly mindset to be able to perform in medicine. But All the things we did in medicine is what we need to perform at a high level in something else. We had people around us. You need people. We had a vision of where it could take us. We saw other physicians, what they had done, people before us. We had the right mindset because they was drilling this stuff into us every single day. And so these are some of the keys to be able to be successful in other areas of life. We just, for some reason, have this mental block that we can't see the success that we've created in our own lives. Because if we could, it would do nothing but affirm the fact that it's just a matter of time that we can be successful at whatever else that we're going to do. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You know, there's a portion of your book where you talk about the decision-making sequence, right? And this kind of goes back to what you're talking about in terms of not just looking for results, but kind of looking for the reason why you want these results, right? Kind of takes you back to why Dr. Brad Ballard double-boarded on ESPN, has all these accolades, is now on his knees crying, asking why this is it. Like, you were looking for your why. So take us through this decision-making sequence so that doctors can really understand, like, you know, it may not just be, I want to do something different outside of the hospital. Like they really have to go deep down and do some self-reflection, which oftentimes can be the most difficult part. Oh yes. It's the most difficult part because sometimes the conclusion is that people are afraid of answering that question of, did I make the right decision? Because they feel that the end of that question is going to be, yes, I made a wrong decision. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You didn't make the wrong decision. You made the right decision because medicine simply means that it was a step, is a stepping stone to whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing. So you actually made the correct decision and you needed medicine. You needed those experiences in medicine to be able to do whatever it is that you had to do. 
And so we talk about the decision-making sequence. The way I like to look at it is if there is a result that you are looking to have, if the result is on one end, the belief is on the other end. And so it goes, whatever you believe will then turn into thoughts, okay? Those thoughts turn into feelings. Those feelings then turn into decisions that we make. And then the decisions turn into actions and then actions turn into the result. And so much like I was making the point about people losing weight, all they do is they look at the result of wanting to lose 50 pounds and all they do is go back to the action. You've got to go back to the belief that is fueling the thought, the feeling that eventually gets to the result. So when you say the action, you talk about like getting up, hitting the weights, changing right. the diet. The how-tos, the tangible stuff. All right. Okay. So most people come New Year's time, they want to get in the gym. Here's what's crazy. Most New Year's resolutions, they stop before February even comes around. Yeah, I believe that, man. Yeah. So <laughs> 8% of people who start New Year's resolutions actually see them through. Only 8%. Only 8% though. Only 8%. I thought you were going to say like maybe like 40% or something. 8%. No, only 8%. Yeah. And the reason being is because they never go back to the root of the problem. They, 8%. They, 8%. 8%. That's right. This is a study done at the University of Scranton. Okay. 8%. And so when you look back, it's simply because they want us to know the how-tos. If that person truly believes that they could do it, it would turn into thoughts that would be consistent with that. And then those feelings would be consistent with the thoughts. See, the reality is, if you really truly believe that you could start that business, you would have started it already. The reason why you haven't is because you don't have the belief. Again, it's a hard mirror to look at, Dr. Nee. And the reason I can speak to it is because I've looked in that mirror, right? I'm not sitting here, you know, preaching from a pulpit saying, this is what you have to do. I've experienced it myself have those real conversations with me saying so what about those people who are saying well i just want to make sure i don't make any mistakes do they still fall in that criteria i'm waiting to make sure that i get like a step a through z you know going which means they probably never gonna start you know what i'm talking about right oh yeah yeah look again i'm gonna keep it real simple if you're not doing the actions the belief isn't there it's just that I mean, you could take it to something as simple as turning the lights on at home. You, nothing's going to stop you from going from where you are on, in your bed to going and turning on the lights. I mean, like you believe it, you just go do it. Like it just translates into that. There's nothing stopping you. Even if there was clothes in front of you and stuff, you move it around. If your kid tripped you and you hit the ground, you still go turn on the light. Mm -hmm. Right. There's an end destination. And there's where you are and you have to get there. If people don't think that their ability to get to the destination is possible, they'll never start the journey. But you've got to believe it's possible to get there, you know, and they may believe that it's possible for someone else. They may see that. But if they truly believe they can do it, if they're not taking action, they probably don't. But the cool thing about it is there's ways to increase that belief so that the actions can then you know, that the actions that you want will come as a result of that. Come on, Dr. Brad, bless us. <laughs> so I call it MVP. There's MVP. You got to have the mindset. So there's practices that you can do, right? You know, when we were in med school, we were constantly being flooded with information. And so you remember, Dr. Nee, I mean, we were always thinking about medicine, always thinking about something because it's just what we were always around. So you have to begin to change the input. We were getting input from lectures, from reading, from audio all the time. And so it caused us to be doctors. And, and we thought about medicine all the time. Now, for those things that you want out of life, 
you've got to start to instill the belief. So you've got to start listening to different things. You've got to start reading. You've got to start reading things that are going to empower you to believe that it is possible for you to do whatever it is that you're going to do. Next thing you got to do is you got to have vision and clarity on what you want. You got to ask yourself, one of the biggest questions that you can ask yourself is, what do I want? What do I want? Listen to how powerful that question is. That's enough. What do I want? Most people won't ask themselves the question because then they got to realize that they are not going after it. That's a hard look in the mirror again. You see what I'm saying? When you ask, if you have to truly ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want out of life? What do I want to do? Not the superficial answer. Oh, you know, I want the kids to be good. Yeah, look, we all want the kids to be good. We want, you know, house. But like, what do you want? What kind of impact you want to have on this life? What kind of significance do you want to have? And how do you want to serve people in a big way that will give you the biggest perpetual smile ever? See, when you get that deep and you say, what do you want? People will realize they're not going after it. So once you get over that and you say, what do I want? You get clarity on it. Then you got to start surrounding yourself around the right people. So mindset, vision, and P is the people. You got to get people around you, man. You got to get the right people who can serve as guides. Who There's two types of people you need. You need people who are going to serve as guides and coaches to kind of lead you along the way, which is what I love to do. And then you got to have people who are going to also push you up and lift you up and maybe going along that same road with you. And so when you can do these things, you're going to start to create an environment of input that will propel you to be able to do that. But it takes time. None of us was able to get through medical school in two years, in one year. But so many of us start a business and expect that something's going to happen in this year. You know, so you has got to be patient. You got to be patient. You got to be consistent over time. I mean, we were so consistent in medical school. There wasn't a day we didn't read something, do something around something that was medicine. And it's funny, you talking about the concept of MVP you know, I liken it to me and my wife decided that we wanted to pay off our debt really early. We had a ton of student loan debt, and I'll keep it quick. But basically, you know, when you move into a community and there are physicians there and you're telling them that you're not going to buy a house, that you're going to rent, you're already getting some negative feedback. Like, what do you mean you're not going to buy a house? What do you like? Everybody buys a house. So there's that negative reinforcement there. Then you tell them that, you know, you're not going to buy a new car. You're going to be using a used car. You get that negative reinforcement there. We literally had to surround ourselves with virtual mentors. Like we had to listen to podcasts. We had to read books, even though there wasn't anybody in our local area who can really get down with that conversation of like literally, you know, living below our means, paying off this debt, you know, not buying a house, you know, that virtual mentorship that, like you said, the positive people around us that we listened to constantly kept us going and got us to a point where we paid it off in less than three years. So I definitely believe what you're saying. I think definitely that trifecta right there. It's definitely a good point for people to continue to have that belief to get that action and result that they want. So first of all, I think that story is just great. I hope the listeners (laughs) got the nuggets that you were just saying there. I mean, you know, a lot of us are still in med school debt. And and so I wasn't able to do it in three years as great as you guys did, but I was able to eliminate it. But again, it starts with the clarity, with the V part of the vision saying, okay, this is what we want starting to get the right mindset, starting to read the right books, starting to put the right input around it. And then eventually you start getting around the right people. Like, who do I need to help me accomplish this? I'm sure you guys probably had, whether it was a financial planner or some sort of advisor over time, because typically to do big things, we don't do these things by ourselves. You know, I I didn't do med school by myself. We didn't become physicians by ourselves. I mean, it took a community. And so that was the other thing. I was a big loner in my life. I never felt like 
if I wanted to do something, I would do it on my own. And it limited my ability to perform at a high level because I was like, oh, I'll just get it done. I'm the, I'm the get it done guy because I, I kind of wore that as like a badge of honor to just go do it by myself. That's and a lot really of it was, personality too. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was really holding me back from really being able to, to experience the potential that I can really do because think about how much knowledge other people have. Think about how much knowledge I'm missing out on. Think about the accountability, you know, being able to have somebody else in your life and the wisdom you know, being able to have someone there who can say, you know what, uh, I don't know if I would try that. I tried that in the past. It didn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right, that right. is huge to be able to have people like that in your life. And so now, you know, I went from not having any kind of coach or guide to where I've got a spiritual coach. I've got a business coach. I've got a fitness coach. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm in the best shape of my life. My business is thriving and spiritually I'm connected with God more than I've ever been. And my marriage is great. But I say that now because the power of people is huge. And until we as physicians start to unify when it comes into medicine, but also in things that you want to do that's outside of the box, start relying on other people, you'll start to realize that there's going to be a lid on your ability to get to the next level. I love it. Great answers, man. Great answers. So listen, we're getting towards the end of this interview. We're about to do some fast fire questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. You tell me what comes off the top of the dome piece. You ready? Okay. All right, let's do this. So if you had an opportunity to go back to yourself as a pre-med student or even as a medical student, what kind of advice would you have given yourself? Be comfortable in your own skin. Mm. You had a problem with your own skin. What happened over time, when I got to medical school, I embraced the fact that I was kind of this student that kind of went against the grain. So I'm going to tell you guys a hilarious story. So my med school class was about 250 students. And it was me and two other guys that just, I mean, we call ourselves the three musketeers. I mean, I remember the first semester, I mean, we went out every other weekend. I mean, you know, and we got the work done, but we were atypical. Let's just put it that way. And we enjoyed it. And I remember I grew my hair out when I could grow hair. For those of you who can't see me, I'm bald. But as a result of those Grady days, well, I shave it now, man, because I mean, ain't nothing happening on the top here. So you know, I just went ahead and went clean, but I grew my hair out my second year <laughs> and my friends dared me. They were like, I dare you to go get braided and get cornrows and walk into, you know, the next several days as well. And I did it. Mm-hmm. I had professors looking at me like I was crazy and I kind of did it as like a rebel. You know what I mean? Now I'm not encouraging anybody to go do that, but all I'm saying is that I had a certain me that was just free and so forth. Over time, what happened was I, I just got programmed and feeling like I had to be a certain doctor, certain you type of person. You, had to play, you yes. learned to play the game in order to get out of it. <clears throat> but it means that I had to, I kind of shed my own identity to yeah. try to be a certain type of doctor. So what I would go back and tell myself is, listen, man, be comfortable in your own skin. Be the type of doctor you want to be and how you want to practice. And once I started finding my voice, Dr. Nee, and what I wanted to do and my purpose, my clinical life, my life as a physician got better because I began to be more genuine and more authentic in my relationships with my patients. And so it was a significant improvement once I found what I was supposed to be doing. So if I was to go back, I'd say be comfortable in your own skin and don't forget just being who you are. You are who you are first and you are a doctor, not even second, third, or fourth. <laughs> right? I love that answer. Doctor is just a part of who you are. It's not who you answer. are. I love it. I love it. And I think I already know the answer to this second one, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what's a personal habit that has helped you to be more successful in business or just be a doc outside the box? My morning routine. Hmm. 
my morning routine. Yes. <laughs> and I talk about this. In about the, that, uh, yeah, I talk about this in the book. I used to hate mornings. I don't even know how I got through med school and, and residency, to be quite honest with you, because you got to get up early. I mean, I can't front. I'm, I'm a surgeon. I hate mornings. <laughs> I used to hate mornings, hate mornings. But I had a mentor and he challenged me. He said, you know, there's this phenomenon of early risers. He said, I want you to research it and look how many people who are early risers who are successful, people who have through history, you know, and I started looking like, wow, look at all these people. They just get up early. So I really just said, you know, if they get up early, I want to get up early. <laughs> so I said, I want to be successful. I'm going to get up early. So I read a book. I talk about it in my book, but I read a book called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And that book's a great book. And I went on this 30-day journey to kind of just flip the switch and start getting up early in the morning. That was several years ago. I've stuck with it. I've really made that morning, my morning, mine now. And so I call it my power hour. And in that hour, it's like, you know, I talk about in the book about being the pilot of my day. If you think about a pilot, whenever they get into a plane, they have a checklist of everything that they go through. And that checklist does not change every single time they get into a plane. As a matter of fact, if you got into a plane, Dr. Nee, if anyone who's listening got into a plane, would you not want that pilot to go through that checklist Absolutely. all the way <laughs> through, even if it was for the 5,000th time? But there's a reason why planes are so safe, because this checklist gets done every single time before the plane takes off. So here's the deal. Before I take off on my day, I do my personal checklist in the morning. And that consists of some meditation time, that consists of some prayer time, it consists of some affirmation time that really ingrains and tattoos who I want to be and how I want my day to go at that time. And it has been an absolute game changer for me. Uh, if you want to know more about it, obviously you can read the book, but if you're looking to perform at a higher level, I challenge you to do the same thing. I love it. I love it. Now, Dr. Brad, if you had an opportunity to get on top of a mountaintop, and talk to all the doctors in the entire world, what would you say? Wow. I would say you are more valuable than you realize. And you have more ability than you realize that you are able to do. So many of us have allowed the industry now to devalue us. And I couldn't disagree with it anymore. It's not until we start to realize our own value that we'll be able to change that. And so I would tell everyone, you have far more value and more power than you realize. And once you believe what I believe in you, which is that you are extremely capable of change, both in the industry of medicine and in your own lives, there will be nothing that'll stop you. Oof. Dang. Love it, man. Yeah, man. I got to talk about something because we didn't talk about Grady. So let me tell you guys this. <laughs> Dr. Nee and I, we did residency together. So I was at Grady in Atlanta as an ER resident. And I vividly remember Dr. Nee. I had hair. General back. surgeon. Did I have hair back or did I cut it off by then? You know what? If you <laughs> had hair, it was low. <laughs> yeah. Here was my problem. I had hair, but it was thinning because I had nurses who was like, Dr. Bilal, you realize your hair is balding? I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I was at that transition at that point. <laughs> I was transitioning into the bald world. But you know one thing I remembered about you, man? It was no lie. 
we would get beat up at Grady. I mean, you remember what it was like. I think there are memories that I have just like literally just put in a back hidden closet somewhere in my mind to never open up again. (laughs) Some of those nights on trauma whenever, I mean, it was just gunshot wound, (laughs) knife wound, right? Just whatever the case. Uh Here's what I remember because I would call residents for admissions and for, and for consultations. And Dr. Nee, I will tell you, there was never a time that I didn't call. And when I knew you were on, I knew I was going to have a good night. Like I knew I was working with someone who cared and there was not going to be this pushback because I knew, if, you know, hopefully you knew that if I was calling, it was something legit and mm-hmm. that I wasn't, you know, just trying to get someone admitted or whatever the case may be. But I was actually calling because, you know, it was a legit admission or a legit consultation. But even if that happened where maybe it wouldn't be, you always came down with integrity and you did the right thing. There was no grunting, no grumbling. We all had reasons to grumble, <laughs> you know what I mean? And be impatient, but you always were upstanding. And that was the one main thing that I remember about you back in the day, man. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it because we had some tough nights together. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate it because sometimes, you know, you go through this process, you're admitting like 20 people overnight or you oh. got dealing with more than that actually coming through the ED. Um, oh, you never get an opportunity to acknowledge people. And um, shortly, I'm going to do that with you. So I appreciate I think we're kindred spirits in a lot of different ways. We just don't know that. So I'm going to take an opportunity, one, to say thank you very much for recognizing. I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Uh, but let me ask you this one last thing. So, OK, you know, before we get going from here, I want you to give the audience three actionable steps. It doesn't matter what it is. Give them three actionable steps that they can take right now to get to where they want right now. Uh, First thing, get clarity on what you want. Answer this question, what do I want? And I don't want you to compromise the answers to this question. I really want you to listen to what I'm telling you. And if you're listening to this, I want you literally to pretend as though it's me and you in a room talking together, sitting down. And I'm looking at you straight in the eye and I'm asking you, what do you really want? What do you want? See, when I ask people that question, I know there is something there. There's, we all want something and it's something deeply rooted to something in us for progress, for service, for significance. I want you to answer that question as I ask you, what do you want? What do you really want? Get clarity on that and do not compromise the answer because if you're going to go after it, it has to be worth the struggle, it has to be worth it. So don't compromise it. It's the first thing, get clarity. The second thing is, You're going to have to get a game plan to achieving it, to going after it. That's a big statement. There's a lot involved in that, but you're going to have to get a game plan. You're going to have to figure out how you're going to go about it. But the third thing, which is going to help both of the first two things is find people who are going to help you get there. Find people who will help you get clarity. Find people who can help you with the game plan. And so people like Dr. Nee, who are providing clarity for people and information and great stuff, coaches, you know, books. But at some point, you're going to need to find someone who can help you do the first two things. That was what I did when I first got started. I just started reaching out to people. And I'm extremely grateful for people like Brian Fleming and, you know, some of the people just along the way, Andy Tuttle. I mean, like there's so many people who were just integral parts of just people who helped me. So get clarity, get a game plan, and then find the right people. Mm, I love it. I love it. So listen, um, I asked all my guests this question. I'm Dr. Brad Bellard. I'm not just a doc. I'm a, I want you to complete that. I'm a servant. 
Love it. I'm a servant, man. What motivates me now is figuring out a way to serve people. I think if we can really focus, even in medicine, we have gotten so busy with the work that we forgot about the person sitting in front of us. And if we can think about the person and knowing that we're there to serve the person, we will be on every time we walk in the room. And when I say on, they don't care that we had a bad day and they shouldn't care. They're here for their health. So if you literally have a servant's mentality of how can I best serve this individual with why they came to see me with the talents and the gifts and the knowledge that I have, you will do everything you can for them. And if you do, it'll all work out in the end. At this point, I'm trying to do that in medicine as a coach for people who are looking to discover their purpose, who are looking to perform at a higher level, and who are looking to answer that question of, is this it? I have to serve. I have to serve the people who are listening to this. I'm here to serve you, Dr. Nee. So I look at my life at this point to try and be obsessed with serving the best I can. There it is. Dr. Brad Billard. I love it, man. Servant. You know, every now and then I take an opportunity to acknowledge my guests, mainly because I think that in medicine, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of breaking down. As a surgeon, I definitely know that in our M&M reports, we know that you know something about that also. But we oh, yeah. don't take the time to just say, listen, I'm watching what you're doing and I'm really impressed. Since I've met you in residency, working with you on a daily basis and dealing with very sick patients, you always cared about your patients and you always took the opportunity to really go the extra mile before, you know, whatever the next step will be with your patients. But to go from that standpoint to where I met you a year ago, where we <laughs> at a conference and you were going through that transition in your life, I could already see the talent that you already had. But what I really appreciate from you is the answer of knowing that even though you're an amazing speaker, even though obviously from this book, you're a very good writer, you still always have this this ability to just look at other people and find out how can I help them, right? You know, within this podcast, obviously it's helping other doctors who are struggling with trying to figure out how can they take that success that they've had and really convert that into fulfillment. And uh, that's hard. That's difficult. You know, you've been on TV. You can go in so many different directions with this, but you choose to really help those who really need it the most. And I just want to say thank you very much. I acknowledge you for what you're doing. I'm really glad that you know we've decided to kind of go through this journey together because I feel like we've kind of going through this journey together. <laughs> That's right. And to see what you've done from last year to this year, even though last year you were doing amazing things to where you are now is really inspiring. So I just want to say, keep up the great work. Um, and um, one of these days I have to have you back on the show to kind of talk about, you know, just kind of where you are right now and just some more things that you can help, you know, the doctors who are listening to the show. Well, I've got a tremendous amount of admiration for you, Dr. Nee. You're paving a way for a voice to be heard by doctors who don't fit in the box. And what's interesting is I feel like really most of us don't. We all have a story. We all have things that we want to do, different gifts. And, and really, there shouldn't be a box when you really think about it. But you're paving a way for a, a voice to be heard that has not been willing to speak up. And so I love the fact that we talked about this before, the stories that you are able to put up and show other people, it allows them to say, you know what, things are possible. And me being outside of the box 
is a good thing because it is me and it allows me to be genuine and actually contributing to people's fulfillment. So thank you for leading the way. Keep doing it. It's an honor being on the show and I look forward to being on again. We'll probably collaborate on something before your show, to be quite honest with you, and you'll eventually be on my podcast as I get that started too. Absolutely. Absolutely. 